You'll notice a star if you have that in your Bible, that, that uh, particular version. It says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots. It's talking about Jesus. So the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So that's our scripture reading, and I'm going to ask you to be seated, and I'm going to go right into the subject of Jezebel today. I have a lot of ground to cover. I've been dealing with seven spirits that hinder the flow of God's Spirit in your life, and the first one I dealt with was the spirit of life. The one Satan uses to come against the spirit of life is the spirit of Cain, which is the spirit of murder. The second spirit I dealt with is the spirit of holiness, and the spirit of holiness is also the apostleship, fivefold ministries. That spirit that the devil uses to come against that is the spirit of Korah, or the spirit of rebellion. The spirit of truth, Satan fights against that. The Bible says when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. The spirit that the devil uses to fight the spirit of truth is the spirit of error, which is the spirit of Balaam. And the spirit of glory, Satan uses the spirit of Leviathan to fight against that. Now I want to make it clear today, before I get started, that... Some of these things I'm calling a spirit, but the Bible doesn't call it a spirit. Like, there is no such thing as a spirit of Jezebel or Jezebel spirit. It's a spirit like Jezebel had. You can only call a spirit what the Bible calls a spirit. Like a spirit of fear, um, other spirits like that, a deaf and dumb spirit, things like that. Those are spirits that the Bible calls a spirit. But whenever I'm referring to Jezebel, I'm talking about a spirit like Jezebel had, but it is pervasive, and it is a very serious thing. And I'll show you that today from the Scriptures, especially in the book of Revelation. Today I'm dealing with an extremely difficult subject. This is part two, and I'm dealing with the subject of the controlling power, the controlling spirit of Jezebel. It's a very revealing subject. It's a spirit that uh, does not want to be exposed it's a provocative subject. It stirs up spiritual warfare for sure. And uh, any time I've ever dealt with it, um, I've really come under attack. And some of you probably will come under attack just from hearing it. Jezebel does not like to be preached about for sure. And does not like a preacher touching on that subject. But I feel it's necessary as a man of God to inform you of the, the intentions of a spirit of Jezebel, and the purpose of it is to hinder the flow of wisdom, counsel, and the anointing. Now remember, the spirit of Jezebel is the spirit that fights the anointing or the power of God. The spirit of Jezebel is the spirit that fights wisdom. And it's a spirit that fights against counsel, solid godly counsel. Jezebel hates those three things. It hates counsel, wisdom, and the anointing. I told you last week, and I won't take much time with this at all, but last week I told you that the spirit of Jezebel is actually the spirit of control, manipulation, and intimidation. That's what it is. The spirit of Jezebel can be found in both men and women. It's not just a woman thing. The spirit of Jezebel is extremely active in some men. And in some women. It works against those that are anointed, especially. 
Jezebel was a woman who was a tyrant, and she worked in conjunction with her husband, Ahab. He was the king, but she was the power behind the throne. She was the manipulation behind the throne. She corrupted her husband. She corrupted Ahab. She corrupted her whole family, and she corrupted an entire nation. This spirit won't rest until it controls everybody around it. Jezebel just, just, just doesn't want to control her husband or the wife, but it wants to control everybody around them. It is strong. At times when you're around that spirit of Jezebel, you'll feel like you're smothering. feel like you're just losing your breath. It just sucks the air out of you. Jezebel actually means unhusbanded. It actually means unhusbanded. It means without cohabitation, and the word mean unhusbanded means true marriage means nothing to Jezebel. It simply means she refuses to live together in a peaceful cohabitation. She's in a relationship, but she's not cohabiting. She doesn't look at it for the sake of procreation. She doesn't look at it for the sake of building a family, being a mother, being a wife, having a home. That's not the way she looks at it. She wants control. Jezebel married Ahab, and they decided together to turn the entire city of Samaria into a city of Baal worship. That's the purpose. They decided to turn it into a pagan city for the express purpose of Baal worship and a false god. She was not on the throne, as I said, but she was definitely the power behind the throne. She corrupted her son, Ahaziah. She corrupted her daughter, Athaliah. Athaliah was the one that chased down all the royal seed and tried to eradicate it from the earth. But she wasn't able to do that. Jezebel caused Elijah to run for his life. This spirit has ruined marriages, continues to ruin marriages. There are some people in marriages that's been in this, under this control of this spirit for 40 years, and they've lived pure hell for 40 years. Others have chosen to leave it and not be in it anymore, and I applaud them. This spirit has ruined churches. It has ruined ministries. Some pastors are strong enough when they discern it to deal with it, and other pastors, when they finally see it, are not strong enough to deal with it. And so they tolerate it, which is the detriment of their ministry and their church. Jezebel uses three tactics. She uses manipulation, she uses domination, and she uses intimidation. Manipulation is covert. It means it tricks people in doing what she wants them to do. Domination means it's not tricky, but it's just bold. It's outright bold. It attempts to make you do what they want you to do. They can rely on their size to make you do it. They take control of the purse strings. They have connections. They're well-connected people many times, and they'll threaten, threaten you to ruin your name. Or they try to control you and dominate you through other, other means. I won't go into I don't want to take any much time here. But intimidation is both covert and overt. And it means it relies, they rely on fear to control the actions of other people. Sometime in our societies, in our, in our uh, business, in our, in our churches, 
three different things in society, our businesses, and our churches. Businesses have workshops, and they don't really realize it a lot of times, and you don't really realize it when you go to some of these workshops, but they actually teach you how to have a Jezebel spirit. Sometimes workshops that you go to on your job actually encourage and foster a Jezebel spirit because they teach you to manipulate. They teach you to be successful at any cost. They even teach you to intimidate. They don't mean to do it outright, but yet that's what happens in many of those workshops at times. And at times it's called leadership, but it's really not leadership. It's basically intimidation, domination, and manipulation. So we've got that covered. I I don't have time to go through any of this stuff that we covered last week, so I've got to get right into these other points. I want to talk to you about some important things regarding, five things in particular, in regarding uh, uh, the effects of a Jezebel spirit. Last week I I covered this first point, but I didn't get to cover the second point, so I'll cover all four points today. But let me just recap point number one first. It's the spirit of control. The effects of the Jezebel spirit is the spirit of control. It it works through temper tantrums and outbursts. It also works through sulking and pouting. It causes such disruption that peace is sought at any price. In other words, once you're the recipient of a blatant outburst and somebody embarrassing you and intimidating you, humiliating you. It it brainwashes you to the point almost that you're willing to make peace at any price. You forsake your dignity, you forsake your common sense, and it's like you knuckle under and you're willing to go and, 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 and to have a truce instead of a relationship. God works through covenants and relationships. And it's like Satan really wants to get you so intimidated that you just, anything for a ceasefire, anything for a truce, anything to make peace, you're, you're, you just, it's like you sell out your dignity and you sell out your common sense just, just to have peace. The spirit is not into covenant. It's not into relationships. It's into control. Number two. This is where I want to start today. A spirit of Jezebel seeks to gain control through moods, silent treatment, and pouting. Just, I'm going to look, we looked at it last week, but just one more time I want to look at this in the scriptures. Look in 1 Kings chapter 21. I'm just going to read the first few verses. It says, It came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard, which was in Jezreel, Hard by the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. It means it was right by his palace. Ahab spake unto Naboth, and he said, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it's near to my house. I'll give you for it a better vineyard than that. It just seems good. To, if it seems good to you, I'll give you the worth of it in money. Ahab, uh, Naboth said to Ahab, Oh, the Lord will forbid that from me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto you. Keep going. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Don't you govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat. 
eat bread and let your heart be merry. I'll get the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Go back. I missed the part where he was pouting. Yeah. Verse 4. Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. Because Naboth said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father's. And he laid down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. So he pouted. Now jump over to the next scripture we had just read there a moment ago. Jezebel came in while he was pouting and she said, Don't you govern the kingdom of Israel? Get up! Eat bread! Let your heart be merry! I will give you the vineyard of Naboth. She's saying that to her husband, the king. Her husband, the king, was weak. He was a girly man. He was a girly man. He was weak. Y'all listening to me? I'm not trying to be funny. He was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was passive. He was a weak man. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. She wrote the letters and sealed them with the king's seal, sent the letters unto the elders and the nobles that were in his city dwelling in Naboth, and she wrote in the letters saying, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And set two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You did blaspheme God and the king. And then carry him out and stone him that he may die. In other words, she's willing to go to any length. Jezebel is willing to go to any length to get that vineyard for her husband. Look what it says. And the men of the city, even the elders and the nobles who were the inhabitants of his city, did as Jezebel sent unto them. And it was written in the letters which she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast. They set Naboth on high among the people. And there came in two men, children of Belial, set before him. And the men of Belial witnessed against him, false witness. Against Naboth, in the presence of the people, they said he blasphemed God the king. They stoned him with stones and he died. They sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth is dead. You got your way. Naboth is stoned and he's dead. Then look what happened. came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead. There was, look, look this way, everybody. Listen to me. Listen, look this way. There was no remorse. No remorse. Not even a moist eye. Hard-hearted. No mercy. No compassion. It's all about me. What I want... Not what you want. How I feel, not about how you feel. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned, she said to Ahab, Rise, honey, take your possession. Naboth, take your possession of the vineyard of Naboth. He's not alive, he's dead. And look at this. Look at this. Go to the next verse. Is that all? It came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he rose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth to take possession of it. Got right up. His mood ended. You can take it off the screen if you want to. His mood ended. Went right down there. Got that plot of ground. Here's a man's blood been shed, and it didn't even affect him whatsoever. Can I tell you something, ladies and gentlemen? We're living in a society today where people will cut your throat and watch you bleed for a dollar in your pocket. And when the judge sentences them to life in prison, they won't even shed a tear for themselves or the person they killed. Almost subhuman. Jezebel's spirit 
When, whenever a person has a Jezebel spirit, you need to understand something. They're in it to get their way. And they will go to whatever lengths is necessary to get their way. And they have no mercy. They don't think like you think. One of the tendencies that we have sometimes when you're dealing with other people is you have a tendency to think that they feel things like you feel. They have compassion like you have. I'm telling you, there's people you can deal with that don't have no mercy and no compassion. They're almost subhuman. And friend, you're not dealing with a, a natural thing here. You're dealing with a spirit. Y'all listening to me? I said, you're dealing with a spirit here. Say it out loud with me. I'm dealing with a spirit. That's what you're dealing with. Now, I'm not one of these preachers that believes that there's 12 demons behind every bush. I believe there's 25 behind every bush. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not one, though, that believes that behind every problem there's a demon. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Sometimes it's flesh. But I am saying in many cases, like, for example, a business that just can't get off the ground, or a church that's been started and it just won't grow, and people stops coming for no reason, they just fall away. At times, it's not a normal thing. At times, you're dealing with the spirit of Jezebel, and it's a control thing, and it's a demonic thing. And preachers resign, and you look on the wall of four years of churches, and the church is 10 years old, and they've already had 12 pastors. How many of you knows there's something wrong in that church? And how many of you knows it ain't a natural thing going on here, it's a spiritual thing going on? If I went and interviewed with a board, and they said, we're 10 years old and we've had 12 pastors, you know what I'd say? I'll start my own, thank you. At least I'll know my devils when they come in, amen? <laughs> amen. The third thing I want to talk to you about today in regard to Jezebel is the aim of Jezebel is to oust and to control. I'm sorry, if it's not to control, it's to oust. The aim of the spirit of Jezebel is to oust, to oust, O-U-S-T. The ministry of the prophet is an extremely important ministry. And I want everybody to look at me and listen to me closely. You can just take that off the screen if you want to. I want, I want, I want their attention. Now, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say to you. I'm a Assembly of God preacher. I've been with Assemblies of God since 1966. I was credentialed when I was 16 years old with my Christian workers' papers. I was ordained in 1972. So I've been in the Assemblies of God a long time, and I've been in Pentecost a long time. I'm not... I wasn't born yesterday, and I didn't just um, surface in the last few years. I've been in Pentecost a long time, and I've seen a lot. But I want to make it extremely clear, and I think everybody knows this, but I believe in the fivefold giftings of the church. I believe in the fivefold. I believe in the office of the pastor. I believe in the office of the teacher. I believe in the office of the evangelist. I believe in the office of the apostle. And I believe in the office of the prophet. Now, do I believe that everybody that says they're a prophet is a prophet? No. Just like everybody that's a pastor is not really a pastor. We find them exposed all the time. 
I don't believe that everybody that says they're evangelist is an evangelist. But I believe in the fivefold giftings. But one thing that Jezebel hates is the office of the prophet. I believe that there are prophets on the earth today. I know a lot of people that call themselves prophets, but I can't say that they are because I haven't tried them. When somebody comes to me and says I'm a prophet, I take it face value because I don't know anything about them, and I certainly won't use them until I know something about them. You can just forget it. You come to me and tell me you're a prophet, you can forget being used by me until I know who you are. Until I know that your family's in order, until I know that you've got the fruits of the Spirit in your life, until I know that you're a proven prophet. You can forget me using you, because I'm not going to do it. But I do believe that there are people today in the ministry that are prophets. I believe Chuck Pierce is a prophet. I believe that Dutch Sheets is a prophet. And I believe that uh, Brother Victor that came to us from Uganda is a prophet. Matter of fact, he's coming back. He'll be here with us all day on Mother's Day. Brother Victor will be back here all day Mother's Day. I need to announce that to you and let you know that. But I believe he's a prophet. And I believe Cindy Jacobs is a prophet. And there's a few others that I believe is prophets that I really believe that they have the office of the ministry. But now listen to me. One of the songs that we sing today, as much as any other song in charismatic Pentecostal circles is, These are the days of Elijah. You know, we sing it. Well, i got news for you. If these are the days of Elijah, these are also the days of Jezebel. Now, let me tell you what Jezebel does. If these are the days of Elijah, and here's what the Bible says. Now, you need to understand where we're living today. If these indeed are the days of Elijah, in which I believe they are. The Bible says in Malachi, it says before the coming of the Lord that God will send the spirit of Elijah, Right? And restore the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children's hearts to the fathers. It says, these are the days of Elijah. That's what we're singing about. And the spirit of Elijah is today in the earth. And there's also women prophets too. We don't need to leave the women out. And I mentioned Cindy Jacobs, but there's both men prophets and women prophetesses. If these are the days of Elijah, and this is the prophetic hour in which we're living before the coming of the Son of Man, it also means that Jezebel is going to be rearing up big time. And the more mantle a person has on their life, the stronger the mantle is on their life of prophetic, the stronger they're going to be fought by Satan. Friend, let me tell you something. I want everybody to listen to me. Give me your best ear just for a minute. If you're anointed... If there's an anointing on your life, and you're used in healing, you're used in prophetic ways, you're used in dreams and visions, you're used to give words to people, and it's really of God, it's not something that you're imagining, or there's something that you made up, or, or conjured up, but you've really got a word from God, and you share it with people. I want to tell you something, you need to be aware, if you're used by God, in any of those ways... Jezebel is going to find her way to your door. And here's some of the ways it's going to affect you. All of a sudden, you're going to start feeling intimidation. Maybe nobody's intimidating you, but all of a sudden, just what's going on in your head, just what's going on in your mind, is going to bring intimidation to you where you're going to feel like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do what God's called me to do. You never had a problem with it before. When you was at another echelon of anointing, 
But now that God's raised you up and your anointing is increasing, now Jezebel is increasing her attack. May I tell you that since we moved over here to the eastern shore, Brenda and I, to start a church, we started out very small. And before I started this church over here, God gave me confirmation after confirmation that I was to start a church in Daphne. And he told me that he would give me the people that he wanted around me. And he also told me that he would build a powerful church in this area. And I believe that God's going to build a powerful church in this area. But I want you to know I'm up against Jezebel. Because Jezebel is strong in Daphne and this part of Baldwin County. But I've got news for you. We're going to overcome Jezebel. And God is going to have a powerful, Pentecostal, charismatic church in this area. Can you shout amen? Hallelujah. And, and, and that spirit will, will tell you as you begin to move forth into a new level of anointing. God, as he sees he can trust you, God will increase your anointing. He will not take you from here and then all of a sudden give you a great powerful anointing because that anointing has destroyed many people. God gives it to you in increments as you're able to bear it. I said God gives you the anointing in increments as you're able to bear it. And as your anointing increases, that's when in your mind you're going to begin to feel an out. That's where you're going to wrestle anytime you have to speak or anytime you've got to give a prophetic word or anytime you've got to do something that God's called you to do. You're going to begin to wrestle with all kinds of things in your mind like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. I don't know what's got into me. I'm dreaming things and all of a sudden I'm having nightmares and all of a sudden I don't feel I can do anything. I'm having anxiety attacks. Friend, that's Jezebel. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Can you shout amen? Greater is he. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Shout it out with me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! 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 Bless the Lord! You will preach! You will prophesy! You will be an apostle! You will heal the sick! And you will have dreams and visions! And you will share them! And nothing will stop you. Hallelujah. God is a great God. The work of God is a noble and a wonderful thing. Nothing to be feared. Nothing to be intimidated over. Sometimes you're not dealing with Lucifer. Sometimes you're dealing with Jezebel's spirit. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the anointing here this morning. Jezebel, get out that door back on the girl. Hallelujah. This message on Jezebel was continued the following Sunday. Once again, Reverend John Kilpatrick. So today, let me go ahead and get started. I want to start with these five effects and motives of a Jezebel spirit. This is what a Jezebel spirit is all about. Number one, it's about a spirit of control. 
It operates through temper tantrums. It operates through outbursts. It operates through fits of anger. It causes such disruption that it causes weaker people. And remember what I'm saying to you. It causes weaker people and more passive type people to seek a truce. They want peace at any cost. How many of you know that you cannot seek peace at any cost with certain people? If you do, you'll be their bond slave forever. You've got to have guts and you've got to have backbone about you with a spirit of humility and love. Do you know you can have a spirit of humility and love but still have backbones and guts? With a spirit of love and humility where you stand up and say, Hey, I love you. But if you're going to act like that, you go act like that with somebody else. Don't do it with me because it ain't going to work. Just tell them. It ain't going to work with me. And I don't know who you think you are and I don't know what you think you're trying to accomplish. But look, we're going to live together. We're going to coexist together in peace. Or we're not going to coexist. Just the way it's going to be. But you're not going to control me. And you're not going to manipulate me. And you're not going to dominate me. And a Jezebel spirit is something that operates through both men and women. And um, it develops an attitude, this, this uh, Jezebel spirit, it develops an attitude in weaker people by them throwing fits and having temper tantrums. It develops an attitude in more passive type people that they will default and give in and let that Jezebel spirit have their way and then they become the bond slave to it. And I tell you, it works... It works in homes. I've seen it work in families. It works in homes. It works in businesses. Jezebel spirits are especially dominant at times in businesses. I've seen that. But the number one foremost place that a Jezebel spirit seeks refuge is in the house of God. She doesn't want to be the pastor. He doesn't want to be the pastor, but they want to rule the pastor. They don't want, uh, they, like Jezebel didn't want the throne, but she was just as good as on the throne because she manipulated her weak, passive husband, Ahab. And this spirit that gives in, it's a passive spirit. It doesn't like confrontation and doesn't want to confront Jezebel. And it just bows down and meets down and, and just lets them control them. It's a spirit that wants to make truces instead of covenants. I want you to look at 1 Kings chapter 21 and verse 25. It, I'll, I'll have it on the screen here. You don't have to look in your Bibles. It's all in King James Version. But just look at what it says here. It says, But there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself, he prostituted himself, to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. She stirred him up. Everybody look this way, please, and listen to me. I'm afraid, and I'm, I'm going to move right off of this because I'm not going to get political. I'm afraid our country is being postured for the next presidential election. If the saints of God don't get up off their stools of do nothing and start seeking God and get the mind of God for the next president of these United States, America's being postured for a Jezebel spirit to take the seat at the White House. That's all I'm going to say. Now I'm going to say something else about it too. Look what it says. Put that scripture back up if you will, please. Look what it says. 
he sold himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel stirred him up. He was weak. And then the next thing that I want to cover with you, point number two, I've already covered this one time, but I, I'm, I'm just going to do this real quickly, and I've got to get to point number three. Point number two is the spirit of Jezebel seeks to gain control through moods, silent treatment, pouting. These are communications that says, if you don't let me have my way, I'll make you pay. Now, everybody listen to me closely. Jezebel's spirit is somebody that's strong. I mean, she or he is strong. They have a way about them that, like I said, they work through manipulation. They work through domination. And they work through control. And they're strong and they want their way regardless of what they have to do to get their way. They will, they will use whatever tactics and methods necessary, including outbursts in front of other people to humiliate you under, and subject you under their control. They'll humiliate you where you're afraid to go out with them and you, you just toe the line because you know that he or she will embarrass you in public. Let me tell you something, men. Don't you ever embarrass your wife or your children out in public. It hurts the Holy Spirit when you do that, but it also damages your family in ways you can't begin to imagine. And ladies, don't ever humiliate your husband in front of his family or your family by talking against him and by coming out and trying to manipulate and get your way in the family or get your way in the business or get your way in the church or get your way this way or that way, don't do that because it humiliates. I hate to see anybody humiliated. I hate to see it. And so that spirit of Jezebel is a strong spirit of control and it will use pouting and moods, silent treatment. And what they're actually saying is, if you don't give me what I want, I'll make you pay. I won't speak to you, I'll make you pay. When you want me, and when we need to be together, when we need to be having relations with one another, I won't do it, I'll make you pay till you relent and give me my way. That's Jezebel. And these are communications that are wicked communications. You know, for a lot of people, marriage is like a chess game. It's couples trying to outmaneuver their partners on a chessboard. Number three, the aim of the Jezebel spirit is to control, if not oust, somebody. Look at Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. I want to just touch on this. I touched on it last week, but let me touch on it again this week for the benefit of those that didn't get to hear it by tape. God said, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children of the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. The Bible says before the coming of the Lord, before the coming of the dreadful day, that means the second coming of Christ. Not the rapture, but the second coming of Christ. He said, I will send the prophet Elijah, the spirit of the prophet of Elijah, and he will begin to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to children. Now, here's what I said last week, and here's what I want to really make clear today. What is the spirit of Elijah? Elijah was a prophet. Elijah was an absolutely major, God-fearing prophet 
accurate as possibly could be. He walked with God. He had an ear tuned to the Spirit of God. God talked to him, he talked to God. He was God's mouthpiece on the earth. The Holy Spirit was not here in those days like it is today. So God would speak through the prophets back then. And Elijah was the Tishbite. He was a powerful, powerful servant of God. He was bold and he was fearless until he came up against Jezebel. He never was afraid of a male prophet of Baal. The male prophets of Baal never bothered Jezebel or never bothered Elijah. He was bold. He was relentless. He could, he could kill 450 false prophets of Baal and it didn't even bother him. We didn't even hardly get out of breath over it. But when Jezebel came and she heard that the prophets of Baal was dead, she sent word to Elijah and here's what she said. She said, tomorrow, about this time, see if your life is not as the life of one of them. In other words, she's saying, I'm giving you 24 hours, and in 24 hours you'll be dead like them. Your blood will be on the ground. You know what Elijah should have done right there instead of letting fear strike his heart? Y'all listening to me? Y'all mind if I get a little bit macho right now? Y'all mind if I get macho? Because I'm going to get macho, amen? You mind? You know what Elijah should have done? He should have looked at his sundial. And he should have marked the hour because she sent a message to him and she said to Elijah the prophet, tomorrow, about this time, in other words, 24 hours from now, see if your life is not as the life of one of them. In other words, you'll be dead in 24 hours. What Elijah should have done right then is looked at his watch, his sundial, and he should have said, all right, I'm giving you 24 hours. If I'm not dead in 24 hours, I'm picking up what I've got, and I ain't going to run from you. I'm going to run to you, and I'm going to kill you dead, lady. I'm going to kill you dead. You're going to be dead tomorrow about this time. I'm going to be dead tomorrow, or you're going to be dead. But no, what did he do? He ran for his life. The prophets of Baal did not intimidate him. But that spirit that was on Jezebel... That same spirit is in the world today. And that same spirit that was on Jezebel threatened Elijah and said, tomorrow about this time, your blood's going to be on the ground. Elijah should not have ran. He should not have got into fear because the Bible said when he saw that. It didn't say when he heard that. It said when he saw that. Let me tell you what Jezebel can do. Jezebel, when she speaks to you, you don't hear it with your ears so much, but it's a spirit, and a spirit paints pictures in your spirit, and you don't hear it, but you see it. The Bible said that Elijah, not when he heard that, but when he saw that, he ran for his life. And he kept running and running and running. He got discouraged. He got in despondency. And God even said to Elijah, Several times, he said to him three times as he was running from Jezebel, he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And this is after the angel cooked for him, made him some angel food on a campfire, gave him a cruise of oil. He went in the strength of it for 40 days, went down, down, down for 40 days in the wilderness. God confronted him three times. What are you doing here? And Elijah said, I'm the only one that's left, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so then God said, 
do this, I'm going to do this for you. And he busted rocks for him. He shook the earth. He sent a warm fire and all these things. And he spoke to him in a still small voice. Second time, the Spirit of the Lord came to him and said, What you doing here, Elijah? He never changed. He never changed one bit of his verbiage. I'm the only one that's left, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. God came to him three times and demonstrated that God was greater than Jezebel. Elijah still never changed his story. He never changed his tune. Here's what God finally did. God finally said to uh, Elijah, he said, I'll tell you what you do. After the third time, God said, I'll tell you what you do. You go on your way and anoint Haziel to be king and anoint Elisha to take your place. It didn't mean that Elijah was going to hell. It just meant that he was neutralized now. Jezebel had neutralized him. And he was no more resourceful for the kingdom of God. He was in such discouragement, such melancholia, that the Lord said, anoint Elisha to take your place. And five chapters later, God sent a taxi after Elijah, a fiery chariot, took him to heaven. And Elijah's ministry on the earth was over, O-V-E-R. And Elisha stepped in and took over. Let me tell you what a Jezebel spirit can do. Hear me. A Jezebel spirit can take you right out of the will of God. It can discourage you. It can intimidate you. It can dominate you. It can manipulate you right out of the will of God. She's strong, and don't you think she's not strong? She's extremely strong. It's a powerful, powerful spirit. And he was so intimidated by that, he kept going down. The Bible says, read it in your Bible, says he kept going down, 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 down. Every time you read, he's going down in the wilderness. Let me tell you something about a Jezebel spirit. Watch depression sometime. I know sometimes a lot of God's people fight depression. Watch depression sometime. When you start going down, I want to tell you that's just the beginning of your odyssey. Just the beginning of your journey. If you don't shake Jezebel off and defy her and come against her, you're going to go down into another level of depression. And you're going to go down into another level of depression. And you'll go down into another level of depression until after a while, the Lord says, my purpose and my destiny for you, son, has been marred. I'm going to send a taxi after you, but I've got to get somebody else to take your place that won't let Jezebel intimidate them. Come on, y'all say amen. Amen. So the aim of the Jezebel spirit is to oust. Oh, boy, I like this scripture. I'll give it to you in just a minute. Jezebel hates the prophets. Jezebel is the spirit that the devil uses to come against anointed prophets. Now, I said this last week, and I want to say it again today, for the, especially for the purpose of this, this tape. I want you to hear what I'm going to say. These indeed are the days of Elijah. These indeed are the days of Elijah. And I promise you, my friend, I promise you, Never before have I heard such rancor and bitterness and criticism coming out of Christian people, including pulpits, solid preachers of the gospel, people that many of us look to and respect, how they let Jezebel use them to fight the apostolic and the prophetic. 
They fight the apostolic and they fight the prophetic. And there's even preachers today that will make fun of people that says that they're prophets. Buddy, you'll never find John Kilpatrick ever minimizing or mocking the office of a prophet or anybody that says they're a prophet. I don't take that everybody that says they're a prophet, I don't take it that they are one. They have to prove it to me first before I'll trust them. Just like I don't trust everybody that says they're a pastor and evangelist. You've got to prove to me you're a prophet. If you're a prophet, there'll be signs and qualifications that'll back you up. Amen? A lot of people's wannabes and they're not. And they start prophesying all kinds of stuff that don't come to pass. And friend, that's false. And there's no room to play whenever you're in the prophetic. Are you listening to me? You either are or you're not. But Jezebel is the spirit that minimizes the prophetic, if not outright fights it, if not outright oust it. Look at this scripture that I'm going to put on the screen here. I want you to look what it says. It says, For it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. Look what Jezebel did. She cut off the prophets of the Lord. I want everybody to listen to me. There's denominations today. And there's spiritual leaders in our land today. If they could, without too much opposition and too much of an uprising, they would cut off the prophets today in a heartbeat if they could. They resent it. They resent it, and they resent the apostolic. But let me go on record again today. I believe in the fivefold giftings of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe in the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the prophet, and the apostle. I believe in all five of them. And more so before the Lord comes, God's going to begin to raise up prophets in ways that you've never seen before. So accurate. They have the heart of God, the mind of God. They've got a vision like an eagle. And they will tell you things to come. And Jezebel will fight it. But I want to tell you something. By the grace of God, she won't fight it from church of his presence. Because there will be no Jezebels here. Can you shout amen? Woo! Listen to this. The magnitude and the quality of a person's anointing strongly attracts the spirit of Jezebel. Listen to that. The magnitude and the quality of a person's anointing strongly attracts the spirit of Jezebel. The stronger that prophet spirit is, the stronger and the more accurate he is, the more ordained of God he is, the more skilled Jezebel will try to work her way in. Now, let me share this with you. Another thing Jezebel does, and I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but another thing Jezebel does is she seeks to minimize the pastor's wife. Now, my wife didn't even know I was going to share this, but I just want to tell you, one of the things that Jezebel does is she seeks to neutralize the pastor's wife. So that the pastor's wife can't have a voice in the church, because Jezebel doesn't want her voice influencing the pastor. Jezebel's voice wants to influence the pastor. Let me tell you something else Jezebel will do. If Jezebel faces a strong pastor's wife that's moving in the anointing and moving in the things of God... 
Jezebel will even use her influence to pray that God will take the pastor's wife out. Friend, you may think, some of you sitting out there, your concept of what goes on in church is so elementary. I want to tell you, I've been in this thing a long time, and I want to tell you right now, hell has some strong spirits that tries to fight churches that are up and coming and churches that are going after God and the things of God. It is no play. It is serious issues. I have felt some, I have faced some strong bull demons in my time. I have faced them in the revival. People would come from, from uh, New Orleans all the time. Witches, wizards, sit there, shake horses' tail, shake beads in the pew, try to put curses on me and Steve bringing guns to the church, and the police had to shake them down and take their guns away from them. They were going to shoot us on the platform. I'm telling you, we're living in a time right before the coming of the Son of Man. This is not play church. This is not patty cake church. This is warfare. And the Bible said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And let me say this to you too while I'm at it. Hear me. And hear me good. In churches today where Jezebel is rampant, you hear it a lot of times people saying they're praying against so-and-so. Let me tell you something. You don't pray against anybody. You pray in the situations. You pray in the situations. And you point things out to God and say, Lord, here's what they're attempting to do. But Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we ask you to intervene on our behalf, Lord. You know really what's going on. May the Holy Spirit give us the victory. But don't get into witchcraft, spiritual witchcraft in churches where you start praying against people. Amen? Am I spitting on you? Amen. I just showered her with blessings all up here. You've been sanctified, lady. (laughs) A spirit of Jezebel seeks to minimize the pastor's wife, insinuating the pastor's ministry is being hindered by his wife. They'll suggest he be so much more effective without her. Satan will try to attack. Since we've been here in Daphne, as soon as we moved over here, my wife came under attack, not from anybody, but just by living in Daphne. My wife came under attack as soon as we moved over here, and so did Elizabeth. As soon as we moved over here, Elizabeth began having dreams, my wife began having dreams, and there was being, both of them being attacked and fought as soon as we moved over here. And we knew that it was Jezebel. You might say, Brother Kilpatrick, why are you preaching like this to this church? Of all things, it's so controversial. I'm preaching like this because I love you. And I want you to know things. You know what? When I stand before God one day, I don't want him to look at me and say, John, you preached about 20% of what I really wanted you to preach. I want him to look at me and say, hey, hey, hey. (laughs) Amen. I want him to look at me and say, come on in, boy. You did good. Amen. <laughs> Look at this. I want to show you Jezebel's spirit in action. This is this is so good. Where there's neighbor's vineyard or whatever it is, Jezebel will stop at nothing to get her goal, to get her to get her way. Look at Matthew 14. I want you to look at this. This is John, John the Baptist. You know what the Bible says about John the Baptist? 
It says that John the Baptist had the spirit of Elijah on him. You remember that? Look at this. When Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before him, danced before them and pleased Herod. Whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And she being before instructed of her mother. Everybody look this way please and listen to me. Her mother was not on the throne. But she used the throne to get what mama wanted. And she being before instructed of her mother said give me John the Baptist's head in the charger. And the king was sorry. I say he was. <laughs> he was a sorry king. Because that woman usurped his power. Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he commanded it to be given to her. And he sent and beheaded John in the prison, and his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel, and she brought it to her mother. Everybody, please look at me and listen to me. Give me your best ear. When I tell you, those of you listening by tape, won't you listen to me? When I tell you that, Her or that Jezebel will stop at nothing, you better believe what I'm telling you. She will stop at nothing. Imagine a woman being so cold-hearted that she would want a man's head in a charger. A bloody head brought to her. And it brought her satisfaction. That's not normal. That's not natural. That's demonic. And when you're dealing with the Jezebel spirit, you're dealing with demonic stuff. You're dealing with a power and a principality that you've never come up against before, friend. It's strong. Hell don't like me preaching like I'm preaching. I'm telling you, you need to pray for me. Hell don't like me preaching like I'm preaching. He, she hates me for preaching like this. But nonetheless, whatever, I'm going to preach what God gives us. Amen. <clears throat> Watch this. Number four. The spirit of Jezebel seeks to be near the anointing. And seeks to be near those that's greatly used by God. Because they want to gain a platform for their own spiritual foothold. Before you go to the scripture... Let me tell you something about revival. One of the things I got a shock whenever revival broke out, my heart was right in revival, believe me. Steve's heart was right. We were just so humbled, just so humbled that God would come and kiss our ministries and kiss the church where I pastored and send revival and brought four and a half million people from all over the world there. It humbled us. Truly humbled. I mean, every, every morning when I got up out of the bed, I didn't feel like standing upright when I got out of the bed. I felt like crawling on my hands and knees and saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for this precious revival. Lord, thank you for this precious spirit. I didn't even feel like raising up when I got out of the bed in the morning because I didn't want it to appear like it was arrogant against the Lord. I felt like crawling. Honest to God, that's the truth. I was so shocked at people that came in the revival that wanted to get near those that was greatly anointed to use it as a platform to get their ministries noticed. They wanted to use it to get their ministries noticed. I had one pastor call me up. It shocked me. He said, Brother Kilpatrick, I want you to know, uh, I've already talked to my board and I'm ready to resign my church next week. And I said, uh, no, 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 help me out here. I don't, I'm not following you. 
Well, Brother Kilpatrick, I know that revival's huge down there, and I know you need help, and I'm willing to resign my church to come down there and help you. I don't even hardly know this guy. But he wanted to hook his boxcar onto our locomotive. You follow me? He wanted to look, hook his boxcar onto our locomotive and be near that revival. And some people wanted to be near the revival to be near the presence of God. Others wanted to be in the revival to get themselves noticed. Let me show you a classic example in the book of Acts. <clears throat> Came to pass, as we went to prayer, Paul and, and Silas, it says, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. They followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God. These men are the servants of the Most High God, and they show us the way of salvation. This she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit. He didn't turn and say to her, he said to the Spirit. I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the selfsame hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of her gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas, drew them into the marketplace under the rulers, and brought them before the magistrates, saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. They teach customs were not, not, not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, and the prison doors were opened, and their bands were loosed. Now, you've read that story many times, but let's go back now to the genesis of what happened. Paul and Silas were there. Great men of God had a powerful mantle. They were prophets. And they were speaking boldly proclamations of the Lord. What happened? A girl with a Jezebel spirit wanted to attach on to their anointing. And she had a spirit of divination. She didn't have the spirit of God. But yet she spoke religiously. And she said, these men are men of God. And they come to show us the way of salvation. And the Bible says she did that many days. Until finally one day Paul said, I've had enough. Come out of her in the name of Jesus. And the demons came out and she lost her powers of divination and they beat the stuffings out of Paul and Silas. And God gave them a great victory and opened the prison door, sent an angel to help them. We see Jezebel over in Kings in Elijah's time. <clears throat> Amen. In Elijah's time in the book of Kings. <clears throat> but isn't it something? She pops back up in Revelation. And Revelation is a book of the end of the age. Not the end of time, but the end of the age. End of the church age. Seven churches in Asia, they were all in existence at that time. But they also represented seven different specific church ages. Ending up with the Laodicea of how the church would be before the coming of Christ. And the church at Thyatira was a church that the Lord came to. The Lord came to every one of the churches and he said, I commend you on this and then I rebuke you on this. He came to all the churches. He had a word of encouragement for them and he had a word of rebuke for every one of them. 
But watch this. We're going to look at it in in Revelation. Look what it says. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 20. Notwithstanding, this is Jesus speaking. If you looked in your Bibles, it would be in red. Jesus said, notwithstanding, I have a few things against you. Because you suffered that woman Jezebel, which calls herself a prophetess. You have allowed her to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. I gave her space to repent of her fornication and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed and them that commit adultery with her, I'll I'll cast them into the great tribulation except they repent of their deeds. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you no other burden, but that which you already have, Hold fast till I come. Now look at this. To him that overcometh and keepeth my words, I will give the power over nations. Everybody look at this way, please. The Lord's saying here to the churches that will not be seduced by Jezebel and will oust her and will not be afraid of her. God said, I'll give you great power. I'll give you power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. And the morning star means great favor. Now, I want you just to listen to what I'm going to share with you about churches that won't be afraid of Jezebel and dealing with Jezebel. Before I get into that, I want everybody to look this way and listen to me carefully. Do you understand what I'm saying here today to you? That the Lord is saying when it comes to Jezebel, don't tolerate her. Square your jaw. Grit your teeth. Be a man. Don't you yield. Don't you succumb. You have a backbone. You don't fear nobody but God. That's what God's saying. Square your jaw. Hold your back up. Hold your shoulders back. Don't you dip your head in front of her. You stand there and say, I will not tolerate this in the name of Jesus Christ. And here's what he said. He said to those that would not tolerate Jezebel, he said, I'll give them a choice to remove this spirit or to bear judgment. You'll either have a choice to remove this spirit or to face judgment, to bear up unto judgment. Next thing he said was, when God resists you, your ministry, your church, nothing you do will prosper. Look this way. If you don't deal with Jezebel, if a pastor won't deal with Jezebel in his church, if he don't deal with Jezebel in his church, nothing else he does will be successful. You're playing games. You're playing games. You can forget church growth. You can forget the presence of God. You can you can can forget healings. You can forget uh, deliverances. You can forget the church growing financially and being able to take ground and buy land and build buildings. You can forget it. 
Because you won't deal with Jezebel. She's in control and you're not. You'll be powerless before principalities and powers. No matter how much you scream and yell. Come out devil! He ain't going nowhere. Because he's got his mistress sitting right out there in your church. And you won't deal with her. How can you deal? Uh, some of these people tickle me that's in this warfare stuff. It tickles me. Some of the very people that's in this warfare stuff, some of the very ones of them, are Jezebel themselves. Some of the very ones of them. They're Jezebel themselves. And some people that gets into the deliverance ministry, and I'm not talking about any of our people here, of course, but some people that gets into deliverance ministry, they're up and down, they're in and out, they're hot, they're cold, they're crying one day, they're laughing the next day, they're depressed one day, and they're joyous the next day, and they call themselves uh, an intercessor, and they call themselves uh, somebody that's going to pull down powers and principalities. Friend, get real. Get real. You don't even have a good name in your own church. Your pastor doesn't even respect you. And you're going to be one, somebody's going to pull down powers and principalities. The devil's going to beat your brains out. Are you listening to me? He's going to have a field day with you and he's going to beat your brains out. I told you. I didn't got that man anointing on me now, hallelujah. I'm telling you, it's time to tell the truth like it is. It's time to tell the truth like it is. I remember one night, I remember one night at Revival, this lady come in and, and I didn't really want to let her in, you know, but she wanted to come in and she wanted to see me and Steve before the service started. <laughs> and she claimed to be a, 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 an inter intercessor. And, and as soon as she walked in, I mean, everything about her just said, you know. And she walked in and as soon as she walked in, my spirit flipped over in me and Steve flipped over in him. And she come in there and took a bottle of oil, anointing oil, and took the lid off the bottle and started slinging it against the walls like that. Steve said, out! <laughs> he just stood up and said, out! Now! And I went over and grabbed the door and opened it up like that. And she wouldn't leave. And we got two ushers in there to take her by the elbows and pulled her out of there. She was coming in there and straightened me and Steve out. Because she was right and we was wrong. You follow what I'm saying? I'm telling you, friend. Well, anyway, hallelujah. <laughs> Number one, God gave him a choice to remove this spirit of face judgment. Number two, God will resist your ministry and your church if you don't deal with Jezebel. Nothing you do will prosper. Number three, you'll be powerless before powers and principalities. Number four, Jezebel influence was corrupting the church and defiling many. It was corrupting the church, stopped the church dead in its tracks and defiling many. Number six, number five, whatever it is. This, is, this was so overwhelming. Look in chapter 2, verse 24. Look what it says. The Lord says in the last part, he said, I'll put no other burden on you. He said, unto you I say, and unto the rest of thy tower, and as many as have not this doctrine, and have not known the depths of Satan. He said, I won't put another burden on you. Now let me tell you what that means. It means this. Jezebel is so strong. She is such a formidable, formidable spiritual power that God said to the pastor of the church there, he said, ouster. 
And you'll have to have the support of your congregation to do it. Ouster. Get rid of her. It's written to the Angelos, or the messenger of the church at Thyatira, which means the pastor. The word Angelos means pastor. We pastors are angels. The word Angelos means pastor. It's what it really means, Angelos. It means messenger of the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Somebody said, you ain't acting like no angel today. You ain't like... <laughs> listen, let's listen to me. And he said, unto the pastor of Thyatira, he said, Alster, you have tolerated her. Alster, get rid of her. And he said, all those in the church that will stand with you, he said, this is your one number one, this is your number one task. Your number one task. I'll put no other burden on you. I won't give you anything else to do. Get rid of her. So, Elijah comes forward. I mean, uh, the pastor comes forward. Church in Thyatira. And those that hadn't been corrupted by her spirit stands with him and they oust Jezebel. Now, let me make one thing clear. I don't expect you to leave this teaching. And those of you that's listening by tape, I don't expect you to take this tape and start looking at everybody as if they're Jezebel. And I don't expect husbands to start calling their wives, you, you just like Brother Kilpatrick said, you know, you know. I want you to know not everybody's a Jezebel. You understand that? Not everybody's a Jezebel. And don't go on a witch hunt in churches looking for a Jezebel. But I'll tell you one thing. Even when churches, when church is not in session, I used to go to Brownsville and all the other churches I pastored when church was not in session, I'd go in there by myself. And I'd walk around that church and hold my hands up like a priest and I'd say, Lord, Every Jezebel spirit in this church, I said, take your crowbar and pull them out. Just like an infected tooth. Pull them out. And I said, Lord, I don't even want to hear an echo from them. Deal with it. I'll stand for you and I'll preach what you give me and I'll be bold as a lion. But I said, Lord, you know who they are and you oust them. And brother, first news you know, one by one they begin to manifest and expose themselves. And I'm like this, friend. I, I, I've always been like this. My wife will tell you, I'm like this. Don't try to control me. And don't try to dominate me. And don't try to manipulate me. I see right through it. And we're just not going to have it. I, 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 I want to sound right when I say this. Believe me, I do. When I say this, I want to sound right. I don't want to sound arrogant. But I really believe that God knew when he sent revival to Brownsville, I believe he knew he could trust me. I believe he knew he could trust me, and I believe he knew I wouldn't succumb. And I believe God knew that I would deal with what had to be dealt with. I believe it with all my heart. Now, I want to close with this. <clears throat> he gave three promises to those that would oust Jezebel's spirit. He said, I'll give you widespread spiritual authority over powers and principalities. Number two... He said, I will grant authority to rule the nations with a rod of iron. The only other place in Scripture that's mentioned is in Revelation 19, where it says that Jesus will rule the nations with a rod of iron. And you see it there on the screen. It does not mean tyranny. It does not mean dictatorial. But rather, authority is conditioned by great wisdom and great humility. Pastors who are unafraid to uphold God's word will never be given a rod of iron to rule with because they're too milquetoast. They're too timid. They're too afraid. They'll never be given a rod of iron to rule with.
And the third thing he said is, if you'll overcome this spirit, I'll give you the morning star. That means I'll give you great favor. No other church mentioned of the seven received such promises, but none had the task of removing Jezebel either.